Hey there, film fans. I'm Jeff. I'm Dave. And I'm John, and welcome back to The Love of Cinema, a pod in which we'll challenge one another to discuss movies, both new and old, with a strictly positive critical eye. That's right. And to keep us positive, we've decided to make this episode a little bit of a drinking game. Ooh. <laughs> so, oh, yes. Anytime we say anything negative about each other, about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you're going to hear this Ooh. sound. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah, sound that means is... we're taking the drink, and we hope you drink along with us. So... Pour yourselves a glass as we discuss a movie whose opening is more chaotic than making a left turn in Jersey. And if you're listening from across the <laughs> pond, that's similar to navigating the magic roundabout in uh, Swindon. <laughs> there you go. Fucking cheers. All right, friends, Dude, we are. If you haven't heard of it, look up the magic roundabout. It's a fucking disaster of a design, but apparently it works quite efficiently. And when they first put it in, none of the, it's like eight roundabouts inside another roundabout. Master roundabout. Jesus. Master yeah. roundabout. Magic roundabout. Is this in London? Where is this? Yeah, it's in Swindon. In um, London. Sorry. Yeah, I'm so excited to yeah. talk about our movie today. That's right, people. The magic, not the magic year generator, the random year generator <laughs> spun 1980. So we decided not to talk about Raging Bull. We decided not to talk about Caddyshack. We are talking about the Long Good Friday, starring Bob Hoskins and future Oscar winner Dame Helen Mirren. It is Dame. sort of a big business gangster movie set. And Timothy in Dalton's hidden in there somewhere too. Timothy Dalton is yes, in there. Is. You might see a young Pierce Brosnan in there too. Wow. People, oh, what fuck, yeah. A fucking film, people. The Long yeah. Good Friday. So we're going to give you a little history oh, wait, of Was it Timothy film? Dalton or Pierce Brosnan I was talking about? I don't know. I got, probably got the name wrong. All right, it's Pierce. It's Pierce. Um, anyway, Wrong we're going to be talking about that. <laughs> and uh, before we get to 1980 in film and a little historical context, what was going on when this movie came out, we're going to do some mini reviews. Dave saw Madam Webb, so you don't have to. And John and I saw American Fiction, except we already did that mini review. So, <laughs> so I want to hear yours, though. I want to hear your mini review of it. But we don't need to keep putting, you know, so I, if you want to hear what I thought of American Fiction ahead of this Oscar season, stick around for the end of the episode where we tell you what we've been watching in our episode, what you've been watching. Segment. <laughs> segment. Episode segment. Good segment. Had a lot of wine. Had a lot of, yeah. had a lot of, a lot of wine already. But I'm very excited to to catch up with you guys. Uh, hope you're doing well. John, you want to shout our sponsors out to help us segue into this here episode? Sure, sure, sure. We have a uh, beer sponsor. His name is Carlos Barozo. You can find him on Instagram at cbarozo.beer. Find the link in the show notes. We also have a uh, artist in residence who provides every bit of music that you hear on this episode and every single episode. They go by the name Dasein. That's Dasein, D-A-S-E-I-N. You can find a link to their uh, all, their, all their stuff in our show notes as well. They're on all the usual music platforms. Go there, like, love, stream, enjoy. Let's do all it. Right. Um, I don't know if you guys have any gripes today. I know Dave does, but I think it's more about a, a film for his mini review. You might be surprised. I don't know. I, you, I, I, think I you, actually yeah. think, yeah, you, it's very possible. I actually think there's a chance that you did like this. Oh, have you seen Let's it? just get... Should we just get into it? I really want to get into it. I really, I'm kind of on the edge of my seat over here. <laughs> Dave, you ready to talk about uh, Madam Web? Sure. All right. So I bit the bullet. I promised John I'd go and see it so he didn't have to last week. Thanks, Dave. And uh, <laughs> it was, I mean, if anyone who hasn't been following this, like the, if you're the two people listening who haven't been following this, it has been reviewed very, very badly. The internet has been brutally hard on it. And they're not wrong 
Oh, it's oh, uh, yeah, dude. Yeah, no. It, yeah. Don't get me wrong. It's the movie itself is not terrible. It's just almost nothing happens in it. Uh, it's it's uh, about like one character getting their powers and then saving. And it, this is this is where it gets a little confusing because like there, there's four female leads in this. And three of them, if I'm not mistaken, are different incarnations of Spider-Woman who, for some reason, are all the same age, but aren't Spider-Woman oh. yet. So they don't actually use their powers for the entire course of this movie. You see it once in a futuristic vision. What? What they, be- what they become. You see them in uniform, and that's it. Like, you, you, you don't get anyone in a costume or anything. It's, it's totally just her journey of finding her superpowers and mm. stuff. Now, don't get me wrong. The cast did a great job. Yeah, I'm looking them up right now. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm looking yeah you got too. Dakota Johnson, Sydney Sweeney, sure. is- Isabella in the state. I think Sydney it's the yeah. Um well, and Celeste O'Connor. And and for fuck's sake, Celeste O'Connor, who is Maddie Franklin, who's the she's the Spider Woman you've seen in Across the Spider Verse. Um, huh. Yeah, the pregnant one with the motorbike. Her <laughs> her live action version of that when you see her in costume looks fantastic. Uh, and if they do ever make another one of these or anything following on from this, I kind of hope they keep that casting because she did a really good job of like a young version of that character. Um, ah. Yeah, they they all did a great cool. job with what they were given. Unfortunately, what they were given was absolute shit. Yeah. It was uh-huh. the writing. There are four writers on this. One of them is the director, uh, who I'm assuming was just changing lines on set. Uh-huh. to try and salvage something. It was just, it's a mess. It's a mess. There's, there's like continuity errors. There's like at the beginning, there's like a bad special effect where I kind of went, ah, and like you look at, you look oh. at the credits afterwards and half of the visual effects companies like, yeah, they're low budget. This thing apparently cost a hundred million a make and made 16 back. Oh boy. Um, Sony's already scrambling. They've like cancelled any future plans for the the movie itself, um, as in any future oh, sequels or anything. Dude, I think I needed you to clarify that at the beginning. Can you explain to people who don't know how Sony owns some Marvel properties, but oh, yeah. it's not out of Marvel Studios? Yeah, it's, it's the co. This is one of the co-productions because uh, Sp- the rest of Spider-Man was sold off years ago. Um, right, right. And Sony came into Two possession Marvel of them. From- yeah, no, um, Marvel. Doesn't own Spider Man. Um, I they thought own, they did. They own the character. They own the character, but they don't own the film rights to the character. Sony owns the film oh, rights dude. to the character. So every Spider Man, whenever, whenever Spider Man appears, it's a Sony Marvel co-production. Spider Man, Venom, any any of that yeah. world. All right? of, the all of those. World. Yeah, they all unless of all of the Spider Man. Unless Spider Man is making an appearance in the Marvel's Avengers, correct? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And even then, it's a collaboration with Sony. They get like some of the some of the money. X-Men as well. Uh X-Men, no, they own them now. When they bought Fox, they okay. they came back into the fold. That's what I thought. I thought they yeah. sold Spider-Man as well. Okay, I was confused. Yeah, no, by Fox that. Fox had X-Men, and that's why in Marvel, uh, up until this point, you never heard anyone say the word mutant. Okay. So um, pick up where you were. You said Sony canceled all future can- movies. Yeah, Sony, Sony's like apparently the mood in Sony is not good right Damn. now. Um, this this won't be continuing, but they've still got two more movies in this little Spider Verse to come out. Like because they they've made Craven the Hunter, which is yes. an, like a 
B Spider-Man character that I, you know, the only that's reason I've heard of it is because it's in a yeah, it's in a game on my phone. Um, yeah, that's and a deep they, cut. And they've made <laughs> Venom Three, or they're, they're finishing right. up Venom Three, which you know that that might be good. That it, I didn't I didn't mind the Venom films, but yeah, this this thing was just a disaster. Like uh, you've got lines that are laughably bad. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna be smashed by the end of this mini review. Good. Yeah. Um, they there's little little nods to the fans, like they sneak uh, like Ben and Mary Parker in there. Um, but oh. it's yeah, basically the premise of this film is the the bad guy uh, gets the powers of the spider for or the powers of these natives in Peru who are the spider people, and he can he gets he's cursed because he killed someone to get it. He's cur- <laughs> he's cursed with a vision of his own death every oh. night. And he sees them, and so he tries to kill them before they can kill him, before they get their powers. Right. Um, that's the cool. premise. But, it, it, yeah, it, it goes on from there. The original version of this script, because uh, Dakota Johnson is basically doing a, a massive press round for this, and she's she's dropped a few little perlers. Uh, but the original version, there were massive script changes just as she came on board. The original script was going to be like a T2-inspired... Um, romp where he was actually going after Mary Parker trying to stop Spider-Man from being born. Oh, that's a better idea. I kind of want to see yeah. that. Like, yeah, that's, good idea. Still that's a really good idea. She was Wait, that's such a good idea. Yeah. They know Spider-Man's their most profitable character. Just keep fucking going. Yeah. You know? It was like the some of the worst things it's like there's like weird little errors in it and stuff like um this is not really a spoiler. She like she's getting visions. She has a vision of her boss having a car accident and she tries to let him let everybody try that vision yeah she, <laughs> no that's that's a dream mm, sorry. <laughs> uh yeah she tries to get get him let like to let him let her get drive the ambulance and he's like no 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 and he drives off and a truck t-bones him in the background of the shot all well and good they rush over drama 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 and then that shot finishes and the camera pulls out and you see the ambulance and you see the truck and you see the dock that they're on end here what the fuck was this truck doing? Why was he doing 50 mile an hour down a dock heading for the water? Is this a fucking suicidal truck driver? Let's dark mm. for Sony. Like, just little things like that where they just didn't think about what they were shooting. Oh, man. And suicidal yeah, it was, truck it's driver. The whole, yeah, That's the, another good story right there. The whole actually. thing's That's a mess. Too, the three girls, so, however, the three younger girls did do a good job of bonding. But I'm just sitting there left wondering why would they were in the same movie together anyway because they are three incarnations of Spider-Woman and they don't all happen at the same time. It does have a thir- this does have a 13% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, it dropped under uh, Morbius. So, so I was going to ask, so this explains the question that I was going to ask, which was why didn't this just, why wasn't this just a TV series? It seems like it's probably got better legs for diehard superhero genre fans and the, you know, Disney Plus, but this is not Disney Plus material, right? This no. is only for Sony. Okay. This is Sony, okay. and Sony doesn't have a streaming station. They make stuff for sell it, sell it to the other ones. Yeah, 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 yeah. So from the studio that bought you Bullet Train or Bullet Train, yeah, the original. You know, that was one of their big releases last year, two years yeah. ago. Brad Pitt and all those guys that we raved about. I enjoyed they that still, one. Still, <laughs> I still, I feel like, I feel like they, as a company that is kind of relying on not franchises in the same way that some of the other big studios and uh, streamers are right now. It's interesting. They're like some of their oh, better no. releases have they been... They are totally trying to rely on 
franchises. They're trying to kick that Spider-Man extended universe off. It's just, they're bad. (coughs) Because they're they're trying to rush them. Yeah, people are unreliable. And they're they're interfering. Like, this has studio interference written all over it. It looks like it looks when people just fuck with the movie too much. Well, and the director's done a ton of TV. Yeah. Basically no films except for Toast in 2010. But, I mean, Succession, The Collateral TV Show, Hostages, Banshee, Dexter, House, Ugly Betty. Like, so much TV. So knows how to work in a system. Yeah, I'm inclined inclined not to blame her. Yeah. At all. Yeah, I think you might be right about the... A lot of hands in the pot. Yeah. All Here's right. Two them. Well, there you go, folks. You heard it here. I had a friend, Chris, who's been on this. I won't out him, I guess. Well, you just did. But a uh, friend of the pod. Yeah. Very positive. Some unknown similar, friend of the pod. In a similar way, you just said, he kind of said the same thing. Like, he wasn't talking trash by any means. He was just saying, I went to see it. I really just wanted to see if it was as bad as people said, just because I, I wanted to see it. Yeah. And it just really didn't live up. Beyond the, that false, that that very low expectation, unfortunately. Yeah, so I will say one thing. A lot of people thing. are feeling the same way. Um, anyone who hasn't caught it yet, have a look at the clips from the uh, the press tour that Dakota Johnson is doing, because I've got a new level of respect for. Her. I think she knew this was going to tank, and huh? she is just having the best fucking time. It's like she's like, okay, I'm going to make myself the most memorable thing about this press tour. Sure. So and, it, oh, and it's worth She's for known it. for like she's known for like a year that this movie was not good. <laughs> you know, just the way this town yeah. works. People have been bad mouth. I'm sure as soon as previews and cuts were available for executives to see, they were like, oh no. Right? They've just been like, you know, so far ahead of time. So good for her. Good for yeah. everybody who's good, working yeah. in that movie. Hey, do you, anyway, you, know, you gotta work. You go. People gotta work. Madam Webb. Madam Webb. Madam Let's Webb. Let's get to Smee, goddammit. Smee, you want to get to it? Any other gripes? I just, I have a, t- I have a tiny gripe. It's, it's just a quick one. Good. Yeah, well, first I want to hear your gripe, and then I want to hear all about the year one. 1980. All right, go ahead. People stop buying white cars. I don't understand this. Damn. I'll never forget being in middle school. Day. I'll never forget in middle, uh, in middle school when they're like, "What is the most popular color car?" People were like, "Well, it's definitely white," and they're like, "It is white." And I was like, "What? That's fucking stupid." I, when I was in LA over Christmas, we were taking a count. Of how this is, it's funny because it's in the the Sam Esmail film that I already forgot. The the world, the end of whatever that world movie was with Julia Roberts and Ethan. I forget the name of it. Uh, This Uh, is the end of everything. (laughs) The end of the world. I don't fucking know the hacking movie. And and they go on the highway, and it's all of these it's all of these white Teslas. So we were doing a count, and we we were running a count. White Teslas versus every other color Tesla combined. And we literally counted more white Teslas than red, black, navy blue, fucking green combines. What is with the white cars? They're so fucking ugly. The snow in New York has been shit. It's been melted by noon. And so all these white cars just look like dog shit. They look like somebody splattered mud all over them. It's so gross. Guys, stop getting white cars. It's so gross. I think you have to pay extra to get a Tesla in color. It's definitely fucking gross, and like they are, they are. What's you're not wrong, dude. They are so popular in good weather climate. Everybody well, just why? likes that pristine. Well, I don't. Hey, man, I don't know. Keeping my lips. The tiniest oh, little bump, the tiniest little scratch. Also, it's fucking ugly. I just don't get it. Make a choice, people. Get yeah. a color. Yeah, you can't sit there with a the book and go, <laughs> I don't know, white. Like, come on, look at that book of color. <laughs> one more thing, too. I just want to clarify one thing. Uh, back to my Madam Web thing. A lot of people are calling this the worst superhero movie ever. It is not the worst superhero movie ever. This is the worst superhero movie ever. 
And for anyone who's listening on on the on the podcast, uh, I'm referencing the movie Fantastic Four from 1994. Look it up on YouTube. There's a trailer. You might even find the whole movie on there because the movie was never released. They literally made this <laughs> yeah, movie. They made this movie to hold on to the rights to the characters because they had to make a movie. It was in the contract. It was, I don't it think was, the uh, the other Fantastic Fours are very good either. I thought you were talking about <laughs> yeah, no, this the is the one that everybody knew about. The, we should have a marathon. What was the one before someday. Silver Surfer? No, I'm good. <laughs> All right, you guys ready to go back to ni- you guys ready to go back to 1980? Yes. Take me there, Jeff Ostermuller. All right, let's go. Uh, 1980 in film we'll start out out in film and then I'll tell you a little context before we uh, kick it over to the movie you know with some world events and stuff some really fun interesting world events I saw going on what oh the 80s were a train wreck (laughs) what was the highest grossing also I hate when people say the 80s are part of the 70s because it's 71 it's like 1 to 10 shut up there's an 8 yeah okay what was the highest grossing movie that came out in the year 1980 Luke, no, nope. I am your. Fun. It was not Empire Strikes Back. It was, but it's not Luke, man. It's that's the that's oh, yeah, the there's... most famous misquote of all time. I am your father. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. no, it's just a... I am your. God damn it! Oh my god! It's, it's like nobody that's ever impossible. said. Luke <laughs> never said beat no! me up, Scotty. It said you killed him. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, Empire Strikes Back, 20th Century Fox, 209 million dollars. Came in at number one. Dude. According to Box Office Mojo, and, and I don't know how this makes any, I don't know, but I guess according to Box Office Mojo, number two, nine to five. Yeah. Hell yeah. I saw that. 103 million. 103 million there. Stir Crazy comes in at number three with 101 million. And then you have going through the rest of the top 10 in order Airplane, uh-huh. Any Which Way You Can, Private Benjamin, Coal Miner's Daughter, Smokey wow. and the Bandit 2. The Blue Lagoon, and wow, where's and the and, what? F- and the first ever SNL movie, The Blues Brothers, comes in at number ten with wow. fifty-seven. Friday the Thirteenth did not make the top ten. I think that was more of a renter. I think that was more of a call. I mean, maybe with rescreens yeah. and re So I don't. I never know how these numbers work if they add those up. After a renter. Years. I don't think people. <laughs> yeah, they, I don't think they went and VHS sort of the drive-in, and nobody ever went to the drive-in again paid. for six months. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So that that was that was the top ten according to Box Office Mojo. A lot of lot, and then of course I said Caddyshack and The Jerk came out this year. So a lot of low-budget comedies like Animal House and those great comedies at the end of the '70s paved the way for small budget. Yep. A little bit of marketing, mm-hmm. potential to make a lot of box office, and obviously with Airplane and the Blues Brothers here in the top 10, yeah. that seemed to prove it. For anyone listening in another country, Airplane is known as Flying High in another country. Oh. Um, also, The Gods, a movie called The Gods Must Be Crazy, yes. in South Africa and Botswana Copro apparently made $200 million worldwide. So some other metrics have yeah. that as the second highest grossing movie internationally this it's, year. It's literally a, a bottle falls out of a plane. And the guy finds it, and he journeys to where the gods are to give it back to them, because they've dropped the this gods thing. Are... Gods must be crazy. Yeah. Uh, a couple other things in uh, film: Heaven's Gate bankrupts United Artists, and the average cost to make a film raised to six million dollars. The average cost, which meant that the studios were making a lot more movies, and the independent movies, the independent studios were making a lot less. Palm d'Or tie between all that jazz directed by Bob Fosse and. Kurosawa's Kagamusha, 
Shadow Warrior. Oh, well, that was a, a tie for the Palme d'Or. And then the Golden Lion was a tie between the Atlantic City, directed by Louis Malle, and Gloria, directed by John Cassavetes. So there you go for your hardcore film fans. A couple of little Oscar things here just to, to give you the, the juice of what was going on this year. You got Ordinary People would win the Academy Award over The Elephant Man that year, which won the BAFTA. You got John Hurt would win the BAFTA Award, but would lose for The Elephant Man, but would lose the Oscar to... Bobby De Niro for Raging Bull. Did you fuck my wife? Mary Tyler Moore, <laughs> Sissy Spacek, Judy Davis, and Sissy Spacek again. <laughs> We're all nominated for Best Actress. Uh, Sissy Spacek would take it for Coal Miner's Daughter. Timothy Hutton, Clean Sweep for Ordinary People. And Mary Steenburgen for Melvin and Howard, Clean Sweep. Uh, a couple other fun things here. You had Fame, Tess, the stuntman, the ninth configuration, and Moscow does not believe in tears. Fame, fame went on to be a successful film. TV series too. Oh, of course, of course, of course. And Being There also came out this year, my brilliant career. Any other movies of note that you want to call out? Shout out to Robert Altman's Popeye, starring Robin Williams. Popeye, right. Yeah. That, that, and, that uh, seaside village is still there, too, apparently. You can go and visit it. <laughs> also, uh, Shelley Duvall. I think she plays Olive Oil. Yes, she does. And um, De Palma's Dress to Kill. Dress to That's Kill, right. pretty sweet one to talk about. Another failed superhero movie, Superman Dose. Which Dave filled me in on. What did you, what did you say last week? There was a there was a lot of production problems. I used a lot of leftover footage from the first one. Apparently, to that's what, that's what you're uh, yeah. There's actually yeah. there's actually yeah. Superman two. The Donner cut is a separate like was released as a separate film at one point. Hilarious. Uh, yeah. We also we also have to mention The Shining, which we of course talked about uh, last of course, week. I was going to say, what is y'all's favorite movie of 1980? I think I would be stuck choosing between The Shining and Elephant Man. They're probably my favorite. Uh, well, as a kid, it was I, Superman two. <laughs> well because as a kid i hated it we yeah we were all dumb as kids yeah um i think uh oh, friday the fog final countdown yeah a lot of good shit there a lot of good shit flash gordon also came out this year really yeah fun. i've seen most of these that's yeah, yeah. xanadu well, like I, I saw most of these at the drive-in or a theater ah that sounds yeah, cool yeah and guess yeah. what guys you know what else came out this year i was eight remember remember <laughs> last week when we were talking about uh jolson sings again <laughs> Al Jolson famously. Well, did, did, any, did any of that a remake, the show? <laughs> a remake, apparently, of the jazz singer comes out this year, starring Neil Diamond. Or maybe it's not a uh-huh. remake, but it's a it's a different take on the jazz singer. The Neil Diamond jazz singer comes out this year. Wow, <laughs> uh, dude, wow. They, I'm sw- I swear they've made like four or five of them. Lucy Arnaz, Lawrence Olivier is in this one. So uh, I don't know what happened to his career for that minute there. But um, anyway, really quickly, some other things going on in the world. Miracle at Ice. The United States defeats USSR in Lake Placid for the miracle. Do you believe in miracles? The average cost to own a new house is $68,000. And the average rent is $300 a month. CNN (laughs) goes on the air. Oh, my God. Fire destroys the MGM Grand in Las Vegas. John Wayne Gacy is sentenced to death. John Lennon was shot to death outside of the oh. Dakota on 72nd Central Park West, the uh, apartment which is still owned and occupied by his widower, his widow, his uh, widow. <laughs> Mount St. Helens erupts on May 18th in Washington, Ooh. killing 57 people. And then look at some things that came out this year. Rubik's Cube debuts mm. and Post-it Notes. Post-it Notes yep. debut in nineteen. We never had Post-it Notes. Both Go back and watch the 1970s. What did Both you do? Both engineered from alien technology. Yeah, speaking of alien technology, there's a mini gold rush in Australia, Dave. So a bunch of people run to Australia because they heard gold was discovered, and they call it a mini gold rush because I don't think very many people found it. Anything else? Oh, yeah, gold's always Look been discovered. Look at that gold! 
Yeah, but I guess it wasn't all it wasn't all owned by the big the big people then. I don't know. Oi, that's my fucking land. Get off it. Oh, yeah. that's my fucking land. It's my fucking right. river. Let's get into it's our my river. Let's Give get me into my our fucking gold. <laughs> oh yeah, let's, let's And now we segue into the Long Good Friday, directed long by John McKenzie, Friday. written by Barry <laughs> Keith. Guys, this movie's so, so interesting. <laughs> Set in London. Yeah. Gangster stuff with some big business doing. Bob Hoskins. Smee himself. Speaking of Smee. Did you say Smee before? That's what you I said. Did, yeah. Let's fucking go. I'm going to give you the pitch. We talked about this. Also, I should note, this is on Max. And if you're like me and uh, John's account logged you out of all of your devices, um, <laughs> <laughs> then you decided, you know what? Maybe I should just get Max. But you accidentally get it through fucking YouTube. And so when you're trying to download it to watch on the go in case you run short on time and you're on fucking YouTube and you can't download that shit on YouTube unless you have another weird like plugin or some other fucking app to do that shit. I can't believe oh, no. YouTube has fucking Max on YouTube. Who the fuck would want Max on YouTube? What planet do you live in that you can't Apparently get it outside of- you. Who the of... fuck bought Max on YouTube? Well, I, I, I thought I could rent it and they're like, you can only get it on Max. I was like, all right, I clicked the little Max icon and I clicked just fucking, you know, let's go start the subscription. And then they're like, great, Max on YouTube. Fuck! Dude, I, I knew they did this fucking, on e How many fucking times Fuck. have, I t have I said in this show, you can go into your Apple TV and rent the channel from there? I was in the middle of doing something. Dave, I, Dave dude, I was looking for that the other day and I still can't find that. I think I'm... I'm not tech incompetent, and I could I could not see the options you were no, discussing. You know. <laughs> um, they, I, they might not be doing it anymore. I don't know. Maybe uh, it's certainly you can do it on like Hulu and all the other ones. You can rent the other right, channel. Yeah. Like Amazon, you can yeah. rent the channels through. Yeah, um, I fucking hate it. I hate it so much. I hate everything right, about let's do it. it. I fucking let's hate fucking, them. Let's fucking do it. I hate you. I hate everybody. Okay, so the long Good Friday. Available mm. on Max and literally only Max. You cannot rent this fucking movie. You can only well, get no. it on Max. Though they are playing the the 4K Criterion restoration. On ah, that is that was really annoying when I saw the Criterion <laughs> logo. Really, I was like, but that I can't even get this on Criterion. Shut that up, Dave. <laughs> Low budget indie film. <laughs> I, I love it. I love all those dead bodies. That, sorry, it's I guess there's only movie. so much you can do. Oh my god, the, the car running over the dead body was fucking. Yeah, that's this. Well, that's a different scene, John. But yeah, you gotta go on YouTube. Oh, yeah, and, dude. <laughs> yeah, the get, oh god, that was so good. You gotta get on YouTube and look at this fucking screen behind John, who uh, decided to get rid of the Elon so I can go right to USC. He wants everybody to know it is him, <laughs> and he doesn't apologize for any of it. It's just a um, school in LA. All right, I'm gonna read the uh, description and I'm gonna kick it off to you guys to let you know what you thought, what you felt. What was your initial takeaways of The Long Good Friday and had you seen it before? An up-and-coming gangster. Up-and-coming? He seems like a pretty successful businessman to be up-and-coming. An up-and-coming gangster yeah. is tested by the insurgence of an unknown, very powerful threat. How fucking vague is that? How vague is that? An unknown, a very powerful threat. A bunch of people that he knows are getting blown up or killed in pools. Yep. On Good Friday. <laughs> While he's trying to close a deal. Yeah. While he's yeah. trying to close yeah. a deal. One of the biggest deals in the history of Europe involving London local politicians and government. Guys, what'd you think? Had you seen The Long Good Friday? And what'd you think of this? I Watch. had not. Dave, had you seen it? I had not either. All right. Didn't what'd even know think, it existed. Um, I, I remember my first thought, like when he's like, because I was, I mentioned at the start of the show, this, this is like a really chaotic opening. I was like, what a weird opening shot. It like cuts from two guys at night sitting at a table and you can't hear what they're saying immediately to a guy getting off a boat in the daytime. Yeah. And then it 
traverses down there, but this that actually kicks off like a really interesting edited sequence with multiple threads that combine to create one huge inciting event, which yeah. kicks off his the day that he's about to have. And he has a such a fucking bad day, it is almost comical. How much does he drink um, this day, do you think? I, I mean, uh, yeah, right? <laughs> a lot, Yeah, a lot of people are dying left, right, and center. He's, and he's trying to figure out how it's going on. I, I, I must admit, the, the beginning lost me a little bit. But if you can get through that and get into it, it's like... Hoskins is amazing. He he won um he won best actor for this I think at the Baftas. He did not. No. Jo- uh, was he John nominated? Hurt won for the was he nominated? Game. Probably. He won best actor in something. Probably. Yeah. We'll we'll find it. Keep yeah. going. Um, he was just brilliant. He's like, and this is one of his earlier pieces. Like he hadn't really done much. Um, so I f- I found this like a good watch. Um. Yeah. Burt Lancaster won for Atlantic City. And okay. he was nominated yeah. against De Niro and Jeremy Irons for The French Lieutenant's Woman, another great movie that came out in 1980. Back to you, Dave. <laughs> oh, that's a good movie. Yeah, he's he 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 really does do the the Dave, you're right. He was nominated for the BAFTA. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, he really he does the, the charming gangster really, really well, and you're just waiting for him to snap. And yeah, when he when he does get angry and start pulling moves back, it's it does not disappoint. I am going to second pretty much everything you said, and I'll try to say it differently so that it'll be <laughs> worth everybody's time listening to Wait, it. Wait, the French Lieutenant's Woman came out in 1981. What the fuck is up with these BAFTAs? These, 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 this is weird. How do you have Raging Bull and French calendar. Lieutenant's Woman in the same It probably had calendar. its screening in 80, and you, you know how they go. All right, Chad. The calendar must be different. Go ahead. I, I had the same America's feeling. the center of the world. I was, I was a little tired. When I pressed play, it was at the very end of my day. I was in bed and I was like, I need, I want to watch this now. I don't want to have to find time tomorrow morning. And uh, it was very clear to me when I was watching the opening that if I had been in a movie theater, I would have been fine. Yeah. It, you know, which is the only way people would have seen this then for the most part, right? You're in the movie, you're in it, you're immersed in it. You're 60 to 80 feet of nighttime boat these guys that guy going here go, you would have been able to follow it right. it was something that i was very conscious of where i was like i might rewind that because on my smaller screen with a little bit of distractions around me i was laying in bed i was you know finishing up putting my phone away and stuff i, I don't know there was a part of me that was like this is the kind of opening that we have trouble doing these days i think game of thrones had a tough time opening their first the first half hour of that opening episode is hard to follow the whole it. episode's kind of hard to follow yeah Anyway, yeah. so I'm just saying, there's a, there was something about that that I was very aware of, but it worked itself out. The third sequence, after you go to him, so we're still in the exposition, we're still in that like first act. After he's introduced, when you come back to them and you see the aftermath of the original killings, it kind of lands and it comes back into the pace that it will live in for the rest of the film. Then you see the characters from the beginning who were the hitmen, basically, those who were dead or dead. There's some more interesting reveals about a particular person who gets killed and the, the gruesomeness of their murder. But you start to kind of realize who's who. Now, the brilliance of that, Dave, and I'm sure you would, I bet we may have had more fun than the moviegoers of the 1980s because <laughs> Pierce Brosnan's ending recurrence, when he turns around in that car, I was like, oh shit, I forgot about him. Yeah. Do you remember? Yeah, right? Yep. As a hitman, when he finally appears at the very end, you're like, oh shit, I forgot about that dude. I forgot that was... I forgot he was even a part of all this, and I didn't know what organization he was associated with. Um, so I thought that was really cool. 
I will absolutely second what you're set what you were saying, and I'll Jeff, you might want to take it even further than than this, but there was a part of me that was like, when you first meet Bob Hoskins, you're like, it's not that he's playing it so nice. Like he's trying to charm regular business people. Mm. And he's trying to, I'm not a politician, but clearly he is a leader in the community or wanting to be a leader in the more uh, legit community of London business and politics. He wants to be seen. He's not in the shadows. He's trying mm. to orchestrate this gigantic international bill, which they very successfully pulled off in its vagueness. They never really told us what it was, which I thought was cool, but it was worth billions. We knew that. Um, but what I thought was more surprising as a character, which I don't think I've ever seen before, was he ended up portraying, because I kept, Jeff, you do this too, I kept imagining the lines on the page and how different actors in this movie played them from what was on the page. Mm. He would take a moment, and Helen Mirren did this too, or Bob, and Bob Hoskins did it throughout, and you could tell that it was almost written to be like snappy detective dialogue from like the 40s or 50s, and they would make a fucking meal out of silence between these things and turn it into something that was much more uh, vulnerable, I guess is the word. He was like a vulnerable gangster. Yeah, he reminded yeah. me of like, I, I, for me, I thought like Tony Soprano was good. I was like watching this for notes. Absolutely. Yeah. Good, good comp, dude. Yeah, yeah he was like, he would, he cried in front of his henchmen. Yeah. Uh, at least once. He, he admitted when he was like, what am I going to do? There were a lot of like, you know, he would he would declare like, I don't know what's going on. What's happening to me? What I, I trusted them, and then and then they weren't followed up by an immediate like. And now I'm going to bludgeon you to death. It was like him just actually to the universe, like proclaiming his his fears and and flaws and and I just I thought that was interesting because he absolutely eventually on the page and as the characterization and directorially, they turn it around and you realize he's fucking cold blooded and he wants to kill anyone who gets in his way. And that is his downfall that he thinks he can actually just muscle his way into. And maybe I don't want to give it away yet, but the subversive plot thread that to an American, I did not see coming that of course, everything in that time period revolved around the IRA, like everything over there at that time period probably turned on its head because of what was happening politically with Ireland. And I just wasn't mm. suspecting it. So when that came out of nowhere, I was like, it probably isn't out of nowhere for a Brit. For me <laughs> as an American, I was like, what? And then yeah. it turned into being like, oh, okay, I guess they're the most dominating force in Britain, and in the underground at least. And I had no idea about that. So I thought that was kind of an interesting twist that mm. ended up creating a very unique Michael Clayton-style ending which I thought was fucking cool. We can talk about it, but yeah. Jeff, what'd you think, dude? Um, I, I actually, I know it really makes good podcast. I agree with you all so much to the point where the opening happened. And I, I feel like it, there's almost two different kind of parallel, obviously parallel things. You can almost separate, even though obviously they're integral. But if you just watch this as a character study, again, it's very similar to The Sopranos. Like if you just said like Tony Soprano and then, um, you know, Edie Falco, and you just like watched the family and just watch their performance and their work. And that's your show. Or you can watch it more um, sociologically, like more taking a step back and watching the actual, you know, so that they're just sort of like a piece of this puzzle. You know, you could, uh, you could have that lens too. But, but so like the opening was confusing and I, I, I just assumed it was meant to be. So I didn't really kind of 
bite in, bite into it too much. You know, there there was a party yeah, and and, yeah. and we didn't know who was there, mm-hmm. and and obviously some of them were involved in that initial inciting incident, which is a, I think it's another explosion. Did, did you have did you have that moment where you kind of went, oh, that's what that was about? Yeah, later yeah. on, because I was like, okay, what the fuck? And then later, like, who is at that party? And I was like, oh, yeah, the people at the party must have been involved in this thing. Because um, you, you saw the eyeballs and you saw the look, so they were clearly giving it away that something was going to happen, but it wasn't a spy thriller, but it also wasn't your Godfather-type, you know, gangster movie or really anything like the, you know, the 70s um, United Artists yeah. American ones um, or anything of that type, I should say. But, but Hoskins, as soon as he enters... It, he's just is such a force and it's so interesting. It's so unique. And he enters and then you get Helen Mirren right away who, you know, this is a gangster movie and she's essentially the only woman who has a prominent role in any way. And she has this like kind of light, high pitched voice and very soft spoken, even though she's obviously, and then their relationship is so interesting. So I was just so fascinated by them that they carried me through this movie more than anything else. Watching them unravel slowly, but keeping their charm, keeping their wits, yeah. slowly, but having it really tested mm. as people were dying. That was my movie. That was the movie I saw. And that really worked for me. And I really wish I didn't go on IMDb because I saw that young Pierce. I was like, Pierce Brosnan, no shit. He doesn't even speak in that first scene. And then I looked it up and it said, first Irishman. I was like, Irish? What the fuck about him is Irish? And, and then, of course, that was planted in my head, you know? But... <laughs> and then I recognized Paul Freeman, who I think it's Paul Freeman, right? Who was like, who the fuck is this guy? And he's in, like, he's in um, 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 Indiana Jones. Uh, and I recognized him. And I was like, oh, oh it's not go well for him. Uh, but, yeah, there was, like, a lot of that guy stuff. But, it, but really, the performances got me through. And I loved the way it looked. I loved the way it looked. And I loved mm. a lot of the action and the blowups, but as far as being confused, yeah, I was confused a lot. Maybe they could have clarified it a little bit, but I had Hoskins, so I didn't have to worry about anything. And the dude who plays Colin is somebody, right? Colin, I knew he liked sailors. Yeah, how gay? How like gay positive is this movie for the 1980? Yeah, yeah. I, was, I mean, wait, who's Colin? Come on, we know who that is. The actor. Sorry, I'm trying to look up the full cast list. Yeah, yeah. Colin. Colin, the dude who gets—that's Paul Freeman. He's not Paul Freeman. That's Paul Freeman. Yeah. Yes, 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 yeah. yes. Thank you. You didn't recognize him in the pool with those close-ups with the eyes. He's from Raiders. No, I totally did. He plays yeah, Billock, he's totally and he's, of course, he's in Hot Fuzz too, which I'm surprised Dave didn't immediately. Yeah. Or Mighty Morphin <laughs> Power Rangers. Is Ivan Ooze. Those eyes, though. I mean, come on. And he played Professor Moriarty thing- without a clue. I'm always curious when movies like this, like 1980 British production. It's in the Criterion Collection, you know, like yeah. whatever. Film, it was originally going to be a TV movie too. Like they were making it for TV. I could totally see that. Yeah, I could totally see that, dude. I'm sure BBC was ready to pump that shit out. There's something. I always try to ask myself, like, what is it about Ugh. certain movies that Criterion taps and says, "Yes, you." Like, what yeah. made this detective story Criterion worthy? And I'm not saying this is the only uh, criterion for for getting into Criterion Collection, but I feel like this movie, unlike maybe a lot of American, more popularized versions of the gangster uh, kind of genre, this movie had had a restraint to the way that it was, like the, the pace of it and the storytelling in terms of cinematography. A lot of this stuff really was just not intentional long wonders or anything, but it was not cutty that like at all outside of the intentional montages to Mm. confuse us in the beginning, the actual, the way they would cover scenes, 
was actually fairly, let's just watch this man have to deal with these 24 hours. Yeah. Yeah. It's just great. And also like, because they made him charming and also he's such a unique character. Um, you don't mind going on that journey with him. You you like from scene to scene, it's like, let's see where this goes. You'll follow that character because he is such a joy to watch. I love a good two shot like with somebody that character. When, they, when he t- t- tries to take him to the pub for dinner to his favorite pub. Oh yeah. Yeah. And the shot just after it explodes. Oh and yeah. It just comes in on him. And I laughed out loud, but he's furious. Like he's like, but the way he played it as well was hilarious. It's like, holy fuck, my favorite pub just blew up. So it's it's such a British thing. But what it's also saying? dinner's a little burnt. What <laughs> yeah. Lines are so like good. he doesn't go over the top. It's very subtle and controlled, but it's like <laughs> it is actually really funny. Yeah. I mean, Which you don't expect in the middle of this movie. Cockney, right? I mean, isn't yeah. this isn't I, I, guess... I mean No? Is it not Cockney? Um, I, I, he'd see. Where's Jack? It's hard. Jack yeah, it's hard to put. Yeah, it's, I know, I know, I it's to hard to put it in that in that region. I, I don't like know Jack. it well enough. It <laughs> <laughs> sounds like Jack. <laughs> I felt like he. Uh, I think. I, I guess I could. We couldn't push upon this enough. I think. <laughs> I think there the was something that we are not. <laughs> There's some great lines in here for sure. I don't think the three of us actually can recognize culturally the significance of this film in 1980 in Britain. There's a period of time that we have probably learned about tangentially through television shows and movies and stuff and a little bit of history if we paid attention in class about what was happening economically at that point. This is, Thatcher had not, has she become the prime minister yet? Was she the PM? 79, I think. Uh, let me look it up. I saw the crown, though. I think so. T- yeah, I think she's about to be, or she's like freshly mm. elected. And this is a time period where if there probably was some kind of... I thought Thatcher was 80s. Clash. Well, we're coming late, into like it. Late, like late, 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 right? like, like, like mid-80s. But, prime uh, Minister 1979 she... to 1990. Wow. Hey, now. Look at this. My childhood is all skewed. Look at that. Look at that. Well, no, it just makes me wonder, like, was he, is there a, is there a, was there a mouthpiece put into this gangster's, you know, hands as a, as a character in a movie that actually spoke to the people who were watching this differently than, than us? It's hard to imagine people who are younger than us, for sure, imagining a Europe that was it, like, you know, the way he would discuss how he want, they want to be the leader of Europe again, they want to be at the forefront of a reputation and they want to be another big time forefront economy. Um, it's just hard to to imagine a time period where they were coming out of kind of like America was this seventies decade where they really did not do well economically. And a lot of people were in hard times and he, this underground, you know, force of organized crime was trying to be the front the person who was going to take Britain back to the promised land in terms of economic freedom <laughs> he was and gonna, leadership yeah, in it its entire again. continent. Yeah. Honestly, like there was, there was a little bit of that weird, like let's throw back kind of thing. And I just thought it was so simple, but so tasteful that his downfall was actually thinking. Oh, come on. <laughs> Sorry, sure. I, I slept, his, but fuck you. <laughs> his downfall was actually a cultural internal conflict that Britain will never be able to solve. That is that is very good. It's a good cut. I mean, that's, I, I mean, I, I, do. I don't know. I feel, and there's something that I know we can't really grasp about that, which is probably where the brilliance 
of the the I, movie. I think I got a little lives. more. I got a little more than you guys did because we used to get the BBC News in Australia. Like, yeah, the ABC network would have the BBC News on it. So we that's that's the news we got. We got a lot of like Britain's news, right, and stuff like that. But I I do remember um, when he with the the case when he opens it starts he pulls the money out. And like it's like one yeah. for you, one for me, sort of beginning. thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I did have the thought. It's like look at all that money. This is back when Britain actually had an economy. Oh, oh like, Dave! <laughs> look at that setup. Look what you did, David. Margaret Thatcher really screwed over the workers, but Hoskins was probably lying in her pocket. Yeah. Um, did you know when Bob Hoskins was uh, years before he was acting, he looked after camels in uh-huh. Syria. Bob Hoskins sure. lived in Syria looking after camels, and he also packed fruit on a kibbutz in Israel. Cool. Um, and he also worked odd jobs, including he was a fire eater in the circus. Bob fucking Hoskins. Voice. How tall is he? I looked it up. How, how tall is Bob Hoskins? Five, seven? Five, four. Five, six? Five, three. It is also cool that the, this muscle of this guy, how, you know, that, that shower scene where he's got the blood all over him and stuff. Yeah. He, he is five foot three how badass Can is I that at the head of this crime We're, we, you know dating helen mirren come on <laughs> we gotta talk about that sequence that was probably the music in this movie by the way folks is hilarious yeah. and awesome it's hilarious. It goes and it's melodramatic it's just, it sometimes was, it and is then... 1980 as yeah. well because there yeah. was like disco meets yep. synthesis uh-huh, like, yeah. everything they is just yeah. discovered synths yeah and this fucking and cocaine there remember that one <laughs> one cue it just hit so fucking hard with just that high note uh there there is a sequence that where he kills his friend and like apprentice incorrectly just yeah, out of anger because the guy yeah. admits to him that like i he's kind of open with him he's like this is what happened i'm just giving i just have i just think you should do something that you don't think you should do and he fucking murders him in cold blood and there's this sequence it's a montage that goes back and forth from Bob Hoskins showering off blood in a very sexual manner and the burning of his bloody clothes. The the music is really funky, really pointy. If we're being honest, that is like like that. I got wood. That that song. Oh my God, dude. You got wood, Dave? (laughs) Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Honestly, I was like this. Why are they doing this? I'm very, that one made me laugh. Some of the other music, the music, let's have a montage that made me laugh, but that one cracked me up. <laughs> Nothing unusual, yeah. he says. Eric's been blown to smithereens. Collins, oh shit, Collins been carved Knight. up <laughs> and there's a bomb in my casino and you say nothing's unusual. It's, no, oh my God, I love my, this. My this favorite one is we're going to keep this discreet. We've, we've got an ice cream truck coming. He's yeah. like, yeah, that's a respectable way to go out, like a cherry something or a cherry pop or something. Uh, stick a Love rocket you. up his ass or I'll, he'll jump all right yeah. <laughs> i just think i I, th- I love the, the lines are clever and of course they're cheeky and of course they're wink wink mm. also his apartment is the most floral apartment i've ever seen before holy shit it's, there's flowers um, everywhere oh did you know they originally hers, but... they're originally going to dub his voiceover for americans what? to understand come on they, that was the plan they apparently they started doing it and he threatened to sue the producers and so they wow. put, they left they left his track in i'm curious what voice they thought they'd found that would match that man's unique facial inflections. Yeah. What is like, oh I want to see that idea. So oh my I wanna, God. Me yeah. too. I want to get, yeah, let's get somebody to give it a shot. 
Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> just like <laughs> but he might nail it actually. Super posh. Um, oh my god! This I think. What, what do you think about all the the kissing of Jesus's foot? That was a huge Super Bowl commercial. All the feet, all the fucking Jesus washes feet stuff. So it's Good Friday, oh, yeah, and they're just like weird. kissing that foot. And I was like, wow, we're really just gonna watch people just kiss Jesus's statue's foot. And then the of course, the altar a, boy had his little towelette. Yeah, just like a little wipe every time, because that's it. All we need is that one wipe, and no bacteria will yeah, survive no, no that little wipe. Yeah, definitely not. Uh, and then right after that, the car bomb in the the parking lot, the Church of the Lady, Church of Our Lady. But come on, guys, they were trying to build Europe's castle. What the hell did they think? They thought London was going to be the castle of Europe. It's just the highfalutin and and oh, it was, it's just so interesting. The I'm, big yeah. business element of this is so captivating. With Hoskins at the bit, of, I, I don't know how this boat is safe. <laughs> but I love, I love. We'll get to the spoilers soon. But you're waiting for snipers, and I love that sequence. I thought that sequence really was was something fun. The final sequence where do he yeah. kills the guys? Well, you see the sniper. You yeah. see, it. Yeah. yeah. So we're, I guess we can get a little spoilery here, Dave. Should we? Yeah. Do you already? Yeah, yeah, no. Get in there. I'll, I'll activate watch it this. so that they're, everyone, they're, everyone's be mad skipping the episode because we took a long time at the beginning. Hey, you shut uh, the fuck up, Dave. We had a mini review. <laughs> we had to get into the stuff, and people need to know. Don't buy a white Tesla. Just don't do it. People know. People know. It's not. It's not okay the anymore. Fuck! It's a spoiler alert. Is it gone from the show? All right, lost well, they don't need it. They know what year it is. They can watch it if they want. Um, the look. Well, two they things. They should the have lo- seen it already. The problem is you don't understand it's the psychology. True. The the look on Hoskins' face when he sees Jeffrey, and he wants to be angry, and then he like I guess decides to play it cool. You know, like that switch on the boat is so interesting. But no, the the last sequence when you finally expect it, I, I expected a sniper this whole time. The boat is is very open, and it's he doesn't yeah. hide the fact that that's his boat, his apartment. His you know he seems to be a very open figure for somebody who's really tested his luck. He's really making some enemies this this day. <laughs> you know, people who are his friends aren't going to be able to trust him after he kidnaps half of uh, the, the, you know, I, the, the runners mean, of the city. I know the British aren't big on snipers. It's awfully unsporting. Well, I also love that they had to have the permits at the guns everywhere. Yeah. They're like, oh, the permit's inside there. And it's like, the permits? Oh, the permits <laughs> I think if you get mail. caught yeah. using this gun as a gangster, I think the permit is the least of your worries. But, yeah, yeah. You, I think it's a, so bigger fine not to have a t- it's a bigger fine not to have a TV license. I know. Well, <laughs> but anyway, I love it at the end. And then, and then, of course, the way Hoskins is standing next to the door and you see the other guy's look on his face. I, I, just, I didn't expect it to be because he, he kept saying, like, be discreet. You know, it's like, mm. oh, that's not a normal person. This is decently yeah. be abnormal. Dis- be discreet after the, be they've discreet. just picked up a table full of fucking guns. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then, and then, but then <laughs> at this race, at this race, you just, they cranks up the door and just fucking rapid fires. And then it's almost like they needed action. They needed it. So they have bodies fly out of the second story window. <laughs> they have cars running over these obvious like dummies blowing up. And it was like, okay, let's get it. We're not going to blow up an oil tanker, so let's just go ahead and fucking car bulldozer over some dummy humans. It was just, what, what <laughs> so a fun funny. way where they're like, we need, we need some shit. But then, yeah. I mean, the, and then the final sequence is the rollout. I love that they ended it there because that could have been the beginning of the movie. You know, like another movie probably starts right there. But I just love that it ends. And I back to your, what you're saying, John, I bet you they were making a point about you know they're trying to have they're trying to establish the legitimacy of london and you know how be decent you know upstanding people filth is there no decency in this world and then the ira is is that's how it ends it almost makes you wonder not that anyone should be thinking about theme too much when they're making something that might not be you know you don't want to get into your head about it but that one line, uh, I can't remember who said it. I think it's Harris, the city councilman, when he's begging, he's pleading with them, please don't do this. They don't care about money. They can't be yeah. bargained with. 
They're fanatics. They're idealists. They only care about one thing. I wonder if the theme ultimately was, which is what was commenting on Britain's issue with culturally uh, and conflict with their economic issues in the 70s, which is that money can't fix this problem. This isn't a money problem. We're having an idea problem about what we think about what the future of this Greater Britain is supposed to be. Yeah. Um, so it, it is so beautiful that he thematically, he refers to his organization as the corporation. He refers to it as he wants to be seen as, as a business person. And in so many, so much of that time period, I think around the world, that the beginning of like true globalization, I think history would say it started sooner, but I feel like economically with China coming into the ranks and everything in the eighties and there's this all this this was the decade where we were starting to think more worldwide economically and i think it's interesting that they were basically they made a movie about the, the like w- until we fix these problems those are just band-aids and you're not really going to be able to solve any of these issues until you have people who aren't willing to just blow somebody up for you know an idea and it's interesting how any american i think would probably make this observation i'm not trying to get political here but our version of the IRA has probably been associated with post 9/11 terror. And when you get when you were when I was growing up and I would be reading about and learning about the conflicts between Ireland and Great Britain and how bombs were such a choice weapon, a statement weapon. I mean it's just kind of it's just kind of crazy to imagine those two nations you know doing this to each other at that time period and bombs were going off mm. and then the, the way they kept referring to belfast and just you know what, what, what the fuck was he doing belfast. in belfast and, yeah and then he it just i know that, I, sorry i feel like i feel like i don't want to sound like a broken record but this movie literally builds to a place where a gangster says i'll solve the ira problem i'll kill yeah. all of them yeah, yeah. isn't that crazy <laughs> yeah it's just like it's the, a, it's the a money <laughs> the obsession Slash revenge, I guess, just drove him like that is an insane idea. Yeah. You cannot defeat an idea. Yeah, you can't. You can't blow up an idea. You can't. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I just and thought that was really ballsy yeah. of them. I mean, that leads on to the natural progression of talking about the last two minutes of this film. Yeah, where it's literally they just they throw him in the car, <laughs> and she's in awe in her look in the car. <sighs> yeah, she was terrified because she kind of knew that. I think deep down she knew that's how it was going to end. She seemed um, like it. Yeah. Yeah. Remember and, her crying fit. I don't want to die. Yeah. I don't want to die. Don't let me die. But he so no good, sooner yeah. decides to go ahead and destroy them. He kills the first two and he's thrown in the car and it just like, it just holds on his face and you see him take a little journey within himself. Cause I'm like, they're holding on this an awful long time. And then I realized what he was doing and he communicates it clearly. He goes right through like several stages of, okay, I need a plan. Okay, no, I can't get out of this car. Right up to acceptance of, I'm probably going to die right now. And, and then, getting kind of a kick out of it. And then the comfort of it. Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah but I that, fucked yeah. him. Like, before I, before they took me out, I gave, I gave him a fucking hide. He did, he did. I also think you know, there was a bit of the ending uh, t- subtext that was mm-hmm. kind of like, game recognizes game. Like, you got me. Yeah. You guys are fucking gangster. Yeah, I, didn't, yeah. I didn't know who I was dealing with. I thought I could scare you, but I can't scare you. Pierce Brosnan looked fucking awesome. Turns, I mean, that was such there a fun again, reveal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Didn't say a word. Shout out to a uh, shout out to Philip Mayhew, the cinematographer, who this was the first time he filmed Pierce Brosnan 
because he also filmed fucking Goldeneye. Yeah, and he, all, he filmed a few other Bond movies, Casino Royale, and again, I loved the restraint of the way that they actually filmed this. Like, it, yes, it felt low budget to a sense, but this wasn't really that low budget for a a, a feature shot in London at the time. Like, I mean, oh, they they run yeah. and gun those car shots though. Like they're supposed to have like racks on the roof, um, for yeah. for cars being towed and stuff through the the city, and they didn't do they any didn't. of that. <laughs> like, and yeah, there's, there's a really good interview with him out there, um, talking about all this. That's awesome. Yeah, that's funny. They fucking Billy Friedkin did it and just drove around London. <laughs> yeah, somebody yeah. somebody driving. I mean, who FDA hasn't driving? done that? We've all done that. <laughs> sure, I, sure, we've all done that. Uh, yeah, I thought the cinematography, and I really enjoyed this aesthetic. I thought there was one shot that maybe didn't match and it's not the cinematographer's fault. When he's given that giant speech on the boat that, you know, they lined up. How many takes of that did they do? They waited until he was right in the middle of the fucking tower bridge. Yeah. Or the, right? And they were like, all right, action. You know, let's, let's start. <laughs> Turn around. And he was he dropped fucking a line. screaming. And I don't know if the reverse shot was far enough away or enough people or enough levels for me to understand why he was yelling so loud. But... <laughs> Other than that, I thought I thought everything was was shot in a really cool way, and that fucking lovely coming out of the '70s, like run and gun style, where they still managed to create a cinematic aesthetic, but they were yeah. working with very limited resources, and it was mostly how do we just film these actors in this scenario? There weren't like they didn't spend too much time on establishing shots and shit like that. Mm-hmm. It felt insulated in a way. He just happened to live kind of a glamorous life. So they had yeah. a lot of to I mean, work every, with. Your establishing shots were basically a fucking montage. How about this <laughs> shot? This is one of yeah. my, did you oh, like yeah. the POV yeah, that was cool. yep. hook shot? Yeah, where he's upside fun, down. Dude. There were just what, enough it, yeah. of those. There's something yeah. about someone walking really into cool. the bottom of frame and looking down that it's that, just yeah. that was disorienting. Sweet. Completely. That was, yeah. Yeah, really cool. Anyway. I'd never heard of this, you guys. So I'm glad we watched a, a lot of the, cool. a lot of these creatives. You know, John McKenzie, uh, even Bob Hoskins. This is their top little thing on IMDb. It's the so there's got to be a lot of people around the world who love this movie, and they should. This movie's so fucking interesting. I, I would like to propose a drinking game for if you haven't watched it yet and you're going to watch it. Turn the <laughs> subtitles on, and every time the word "inaudible" in brackets turns up in the subtitles, <laughs> take it take a shot. Because it turns up so fucking much. Because like I'm exposed to the the hard British accents, so I understood what he was saying. But the poor little fucking Warner Brothers intern who was doing the subtitles didn't. <laughs> yeah, this was definitely yeah, like, yeah. inaudible. It's like I, I don't know what he just fucking said. Night, and I was trying to just watch it on like a you know a lower volume, not super loud. I was like, yeah. there's no way. I had to put my headphones in. I was like, yeah. I can't hear anything they're saying. And the music was like. man so funky frank frank monkman (laughs) monkman i think is the name of the the composer i watched my headphones into and angela walked by and went that movie looks great and i was like yeah i agree it was awesome too it was awesome cool Cool. glad we watched it i'm afraid the dinner got a little burnt <laughs> in my boozer, when he was calling his yeah, fucking yeah. bar the boozer. By the way, I love how like that bar was so. At least it seemed to be like that was the only set that they built. Because I think they <laughs> yeah. built that thing up standing alone on the back lot somewhere on fucking Pinewood, and they just blew that fucker up because it's supposed to be in London, and there were no buildings on either side of it. Did you notice that? <laughs> yeah, for, for his alone. favorite pub, it's in the middle of fucking nowhere. <laughs> yeah, my favorite pub. 
Oh, God, it was beautiful. What an accent. Bob oh, Hoskins. We so talked about good. him once more on this podcast. You guys remember when? Super Mario Bros. Well, other than that. Yeah. Uh, who framed Roger Rabbit? Come on. In Fuck the yeah. box office. He, he never does Summer box it. office face-off. Like, yeah. What a joy. Roger Rabbit. So anyway, good. Good stuff, you guys. All right, people. What we're going to have to do now is mm. our friend Dave over here. <laughs> our friend Dave. Who's edited this? Subtitles, inaudible. Edits this episode, <laughs> produces this episode, and has put out some good shit on the socials recently to help pitch what was going on. But Dave, you're going to spin the random year generator so we know what year the next movie we're talking All about right, is from. We're not going to choose that movie until the very end of this episode. You guys stay to the end. All right. Let's see where we're going. All right. You're going back in time to. Oh, there's a two. There's a zero. There's a zero. There's a five, five. 2005. Interesting. That's All, a right. Big one. All right. Cool. Batman begins. Wait, wait, wait. We'll just, we, we can do this in a minute. We will. Don't waste we will. Time. Don't worry. Okay. All right. What All right. you been watching? What you been fuckers? watching? Dave, like to start with you. What you been watching? Well, I mean, obviously, I watched Madam Web. Mm-hmm. Sure. I can't help but sneak her after that. Um, I'm trying to think what else I caught this week. <laughs> Still rolling, oh, no. Dave. We're still on air. Yeah, I'll go. Uh, dead air. I'll go. If you, <laughs> yeah, no, I, if you I, I've got go, nothing. I'll go. yeah. I think that I was all I saw. It. Okay. Good, good stuff, Dave. I'm glad, that, glad we listened to that. That was Shout that out. was that was viewing goal. I can edit it out. I have the power. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who does that? Well, why I do watched. That kind of work? Uh, we we caught up on Masters of the Air. Oh fuck! I forgot I to totally watch. Totally agree. Week. Totally agree with you, Jeff, and I agree with some people I know who. Um, know people who worked on it, know the creator of it. Everybody seems to be on the same page that this is something you gotta you gotta kind of invest in, and it's going to just like it's really gonna take you there. And I did not adore the first episode. I okay. liked it a lot. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. I'm, I'm not saying I disliked it at all, but it took me. I didn't feel like I needed to press play on the next one immediately. I just remember thinking, I, I'll, I'll wait till a couple episodes build up and I'll press play. Okay. Um, which was really fun. I did that the other night. We watched four, I think, back to back. <laughs> so we're up to whatever gotcha. the recent one was, five or six. And it got me. And we were very emotional during the last two. Like, it got us, dude. I was fucking, I was really feeling it. Oh, is it over Can't now? Can't wait to watch the rest of it. Oh, there's no, more. No, no, okay, there's good. more coming up. Cool. Can't wait to watch the rest of it. At the end of it, we were so like, oh, World War II. We were so like right in the thick of it and reflecting on it and Right below, it was like other Shinna's Apple list. TV Plus World War shows, uh, World War II shows. And we watched. Um, there are, I think, two or three episodes of it out now, but it stars Ben Mendelsohn and Julia Pinoche, and it's about Christian Dior and Coco Chanel. Right. Mm. Right yeah. after World War II, and it's called The New Look. Yeah. Uh, I watched the pilot. Really great. Uh, really fantastic. This dude, um, Kenneth, fuck, I'm going to mess his last name. But he was a staff writer on Sopranos with that great generation of people who eventually went on to run their own shows. He ran um, uh, Damages, oh. I think was his show. He created and ran that. He ran and created Bloodline. Uh, and now oh, this is so his uh, Madison, show. Yeah. Todd Kessler. Todd Kessler, is that his fucking name? I'm gonna, a, don't quote yeah, me, that, people. That's a, that's a name. Anyway, was it Damages? I'm going to fuck it. I'm going to find out for sure. But anyway, uh, <laughs> good. Really cool pilot. I adore Ben Mendelsohn. Anyone who cares a lot about accents maybe be a little forgiving because there's a bunch of people who are not French who are in this show and they're playing opposite Julia Pinoche as Coco Chanel. 
John Malkovich is playing a French person. Like there's there's like there's all <laughs> sorts of people in here. But uh Maisie Williams is in it. Anyway, if you're craving more of period stuff, uh it's a captivating story that I didn't know anything about. And they're really kind of weaving a cool yarn. I didn't know anything about that stuff. Uh, and it's uh, beautiful as you can imagine with the aesthetic. Um yeah, so those are those are the watches. How nice. about you, dude? Well, I'll get to American Fiction in a second. Angela and I watched uh, a bunch of episodes. We binged a lot of um, of One Day. It's this series, and it's a British series, two young people. And it's, you know, there's a bunch of these kind of, I guess it's probably based on a book. These, you know, there's um, there's one movie with like fucking Anne Hathaway that does like something similar. There's like an Anton Yelkin movie uh, that has these like repeated kind of themes, but it's very much just like a romantic relationship at, over time. So this is basically like the, this couple that, had this kind of fling in, in college in, I think they're English, but they're in Ireland. Uh, and it's the the boy from the White Lotus season two who like is with the gays and it's like his uncle. And then he's like, the girl is like trying to date him, but he's like, he's like taking it from his uncle. And it's like, you know, he's like that guy. And um, then this girl, and they, they meet like once every year. And it's just like this lovely romantic. So each episode is like a year. So it's 1988, Ju- July 15th. The next year, July 15th, 1989. And it's just so great because it's so many great scenes. It's like scenes that could be in theater just these long. It's called One Day. I don't even remember what fucking platform it's on. But it was just really good work. It's long scenes, mostly the two of them. It's just like you don't see that kind of stuff anymore. And I just eat that shit up. Um, like day. one episode takes place like on cool. the A, G, and C. They take like a trip together. Um, and it's just like the night shots and the tension. It's it's so it's great. So I love that. Um, and I feel like I watched another movie, but we'll go with American Fiction. I loved American Fiction. It's winning all the writing awards. It just won the BAFTA today for writing for Core Jefferson, which we loved. John, I can't remember your your mini review. To be honest with you, I think if I could sound a little hoity toity, <laughs> if I could sound a, <laughs> if I could buzz me, if I. Uh, <laughs> Glad it was not a reason you watched this I, I was preparing for my mini review of something else. It wasn't Ferrari. That one I needed prep for. But I was like thinking about my mini review in my head while you were talking. I listened back to the play. Whatever. I don't sure, know. Sure. It's fine. Um, um, I, I think I could tell it's a first film. I think that I think yeah. I, I loved the writing. And I remember him talking, and this is douchey to like quote him when I'm against him. But he's like, he wrote something on the page that was really funny. It was when like the characters come to life, and it's the scene between like the boy and the guy who's his dad, uh, played by Keith David, and it's Oak from the original cast of Hamilton. And he said that he wrote in his head he thought it was so funny because it was the it was the farce, it was the joke, you know, it was the 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 book. And then they came and they played it so sincere that he was like so moved that they kept it sincere in the movie. And I remember thinking that's the problem with this movie is like he shouldn't have done that. He he should have said this is supposed to be funny. Now, I, I shouldn't tell somebody how to make their movie, and obviously he's brilliant, you know. But for me, there was so much of the, um, the like, we lost a lot of the funny. There was so much time in that sort of slow, um, kind of, you know, dreary, that I, I, I lost a lot of the comedic elements because of that. Like, when they went to the bookstore, it was funny, but I, I was living in in you know, solitude for so long that when they go to the bookstore, it kind of seemed out of nowhere. And it took me a second to like get back to that funny. So of course it's brilliantly written and it's amazing. I just think that the direction, there were a lot of like TV sitcom edits too, where they would like cut to someone's reaction and then cut to someone's reaction then cut to someone's reaction. And I just, I just lost a lot of like that elevated dark humor. Um, but it was, it was obviously really great. It's just, it's, it's just not really staying with me. And I think that was something that held it back considering how good the script was. I don't think the director was as good as the script. That's what I think. Hmm. Nice. Uh, but and the performances yeah. are so good. So kudos to Jeffrey Rush, Sterling K. Brown, uh, Issa Rae, and everybody else that was in it. Um, Erica, I forget her last. Pretty name. Pretty great first film though. 
if if you are going to say uh, like a hundred percent director, hundred percent, hundred percent, I think he's he's. I'm excited for him to make more. A hundred percent. I know. I know what you mean, though. I want to go back and just clarify. It was Todd Kessler. I was ready to do damages. I also watched because I just want to give it credit because there's a bunch of billboards everywhere and I haven't heard anybody talking about it. I watched the uh, premiere episode of True Detective Night Country. Oh, yeah. This fourth uh, season with um, Johnny Foster. That's, that's rating uh, through the roof, that thing is. Fuck yeah. me, dude. What the fuck is her name, you guys? I feel like an asshole. Um, who is that? Callie, Callie Rice? Callie, yeah. Khalid, Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's awful. We gotta edit this. <laughs> uh, yeah. Now we go um, with this. <laughs> pretty there you cool, go. You're punished. They're, if they're setting up like a thank you. This one has a without giving away the the juice at all, there's there seems to be a an unnatural element to this true detective. Ooh. Which is different than most of the yeah. other ones. They yeah. they tend to all play with like dark themes of there's something that feels haunting and maybe even ghostly about the horror of these crimes, but they're usually grounded very much in reality. This one's grounded in reality too, but set in Alaska and a lot of like creepy lore is starting to happen and I'm enjoying it. Anyway, great acting, fucking great cool. acting. They're both I, so I remember, fucking I remember good. one thing. Uh, I watched, uh, I'd seen they just announced a new season of it. So I, I caught Apple TV's Invasion, the first episode of that. Oh yeah, um, and it's it's an interesting setup. It's sci-fi, and the title says it all. But they get you you meet these three groups of characters, um, and nothing happens in the entire first episode, as in to do with the invasion. You you take a journey with each of them. Each of them is having a very oh. special day, and you get to know them. You get to know their like their friends, that sort of thing. And then right at the end of it, bang, the fucking invasion begins. So cool. you you got you spend a whole hour and something getting to know these people and then it, it kicks off the the main story, but they make you sit through that first and get it's to, just get like to know a, dude. It's just like the first episode slash movie of Battlestar. Yeah, right. Yeah, they don't really take off until like the end, and you're like, oh my god, this whole civilization just got yep. fucking destroyed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I can tell you now, not everyone makes it through the pilot of this cool, episode so yeah i thought you watched that show i thought you've used no I, I, tr I tried to watch it once and it, it was a bit slow and i didn't realize what was going on and when i went back um i realized why and they were doing it on purpose and it was for the story to get you in so that when shit goes wrong you feel for these characters more that old chestnut cool. but yeah it's 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 looks great i'm i'm gonna keep going i'll let you know nice let me know dude hmm. all right well let's do it let's take a quick oh john you're gonna say something else you no good no. we're gonna take a quick break so while we go look up uh some movies from 2005 that we want to talk about and in about 10 seconds we're gonna let you know what we're doing next week so you can watch along with us see you in two seconds And we are back. And we're back. What they said. That's right. Yeah. We had a bunch of options that we were really debating over. We decided to choose one that is streaming right now on Netflix. That's right. And Dave bought the full subscription. There's my thumbs up. Dave <laughs> bought the full subscription because he doesn't want to have 17 ads with the Netflix with ads yeah. plan. So that's I right. Mean, we all got our full subs up. Yeah, this is a two-hour movie, so it's probably got about 17 ad breaks in it. We decided we're going to have a nice <laughs> conversation to talk about the Wachowskis' V for Vendetta. 
give it another look. I always remember this movie being great. I just don't remember Actually, people they, talking about it. Only, like a fight club um, or like they're something only that gets talked writers. about a lot. Oh, who directed it? They're only James McTeague. No shit. Let's all right. Well, I can't wait. See y'all next week. So we talk about 2005, Deep for Vendetta. Peace.